According to Mike and Tony is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, Pierce? Episode 119. We're back at it again. It's our third podcast in the new year. I think we're back on a roll. What do you say? How are you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to uh, go back and change the uh, uh, the, the number. I put 118 again. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, no, that's right. Unless I'm wrong. Maybe it is 118. Was it 117 last week? <laughs> I'm so thrown off. <laughs> I'm so thrown off. Uh, no, I think we're on. Uh, I think this is 119. Uh, somebody correct us if... <laughs> If we don't even know which podcast we're on. Uh, we're a little out of practice, a little bit rusty. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got a guest today, dude. Long time. No see. What's up, my friend? How are you, dude? Long time. Trying to stay COVID free. How are you guys? Same, dude. Same. Trying to stay COVID free indeed. Um, have, you, uh, have you been, are you in, in queue to, to get the vaccination? Or the vaccine? It's a little bit sore subject for me right now. Um, no, I'm I'm totally down to get the uh, the vaccination. I would like to get it, but uh, I think I'm we're supposedly in line, but I've heard no details. And I guess teachers are supposed to get it like uh, mid March at the latest. I suppose I think it's like end of February to late to mid March, something like that. Um, but we're all going back in person uh, next week. And I was actually in person this week because uh, we had access testing and I, I help with the access testing. So, so yeah, so I think it's, uh, it's going to be a day late and dollar short. It, it cracks me up because by the time we get the pot, the, get the podcast, by the time we get the vaccination in mid-March, then but I'll take it. And then it's like, what, four, five, six weeks. How long are they saying before you get the second one? I'm not sure. It, four weeks. Four weeks. Okay. Yep. So then I'm going to get it four weeks after that. And then they say it's like four to five weeks after that till you reach full immunity. So I should be super immune just in time to be off for the summer. <laughs> It's beautiful, beautiful system. <laughs> yeah, so no, I, I would like to get it. Um, it make me feel a little safer. Uh, I'm not so too. Is it mandatory is is in person mandatory for everyone across the board in Utah? <sighs> well, well, some weirdness. It's it, it's been weird. I was telling Mike it was kind of like a dangling carrot for a long time. Um, they kept saying we were going to go back. They would say we were going back. And then like a couple days before we'd go back, numbers would be spiking or something. And then they say, actually, we're just going to write it out. And they did that, I think, three times. And then the last one, they said, we're going to go for sure till the end of the year. And then uh, the superintendent resigned. And we got an email like a week or two later and said, uh, we're all going back after not not right after she resigned she said she was re resigning she was going to stop at the end of the year and then right after she left uh, they put an interim person in there and then they immediately announced that we were going back for sure uh in january after break um not immediately after break uh, it's a phased in process that they're doing um so us middle schools us secondary so middle school and high school will start phasing in uh this next week on tuesday wow mm-hmm yeah, super duper. <laughs> so I can only imagine why the superintendent departed. I don't know. I, and I'll be totally, I have to be honest, I really don't know. I don't get into the politics of it at all. I don't follow much of that stuff. Um, I've got my 
work cut up cut out for me in the classroom. So I truly don't get into the details, but it is weird. The whole thing was weird how it happened, and all of a sudden we were all going back, and it was like not like before. Before they would always say it like with like a lot of caution, you know, uh, like they would say like we're gonna go back, but we're watching numbers, and it may not happen. Just kind of hang tight. But as of now, the plan is to go back. This time they were like we're going back. Period. And we're like okay, all right. Ron yeah. is then, uh, commenting on here saying that uh, um, Johnson and Johnson is coming out with a one shot. And that uh, uh, he says, you get Pfizer or you die. <laughs> oh, shit. I think the, oh, I don't know what I'm going to get, actually, because I, I really literally know nothing. Uh, who's saying, I wonder who's saying that. That's interesting. Ron, Ron was saying that. Oh, okay. So the Pfizer when you die, huh? Well, that, why haven't a lot of people died already then? No, no, no. He said, get the Pfizer one or you die. Oh, the other one's not good, he's saying. Well, the, the Pfizer one is the one that was showing that has, uh, that's good against both variants. Um, oh, okay. Of the current COVID and then the new strain that's, that's showing up. Gotcha. And the Moderna one hasn't been proven to do the new variant e- yet. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. I say that again. The, the Johnson and Johnson is the one, that's a one shot deal, right, Mikey? Yeah. Yep. That's what he just said. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, interesting. I like the idea of the two shot just from a science perspective. It seems to make more sense for building your immunity and making it really, really strong. Um, Because they say you get some immunity after the first one, after a few weeks after that, um, but you really don't get to like that 95% number until weeks after the second one. So I was talking to Mikey the other day, and he said something to me that I had not clued in on Moderna has never developed a vaccine. This is their first oh, snap. I didn't know that either, dude. Yeah. And they, they were the ones that got money too. From Operation uh, Warp Speed. Okay. Yeah. I'm putting Warp the pieces speed. of the puzzle together here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to shoot for that uh, Pfizer. Go try and get that one. <laughs> no, I'm trying to play around. Too, actually. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. What about you guys? You got a plan? You planning on getting it? Um, I know some people are really, really adamant about not getting it that I've talked to. So let me ask you, do they smoke? Do they drink? Have they had Botox? Have they had <laughs> infections? Yeah. Uh, do they eat at McDonald's? These are, <laughs> are they, are they living their lives completely sanctified? Yeah, because most- I, I don't expect this vaccine is being any different from going and having a Big Mac and a large fry and a fountain soda. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, no, many of those things apply. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's funny. I uh, I for sure am down with it. Um, it's been through the scientific process. I think people are just getting a little jumpy because it was very fast, and we've never done something like this. But I just I look at it more like an amazing accomplishment. Um, like I can't believe we pulled it off in the amount of time that we did. Um, you know, when the pressure's on, that's how, how things get done a lot of times. Yeah. What about you, Pierce? I, I, I'm signed up. You're gonna. I didn't, Pierce has never told me how he feels about it. Well, we had a conversation about it quite a while ago. It was like in December, I want to say, um, when we were talking about it. Um, and you asked me if I was going to get it, uh, and I was a little nervous, but said I was for sure going to get it. And you seemed like you were a little bit more on a, on the fence at the time. Where you stand on it now? I'm on the fence still because, like I was telling you guys, like it's um. Uh, it's just like anything brand new. You don't get the very first thing of anything. You know, when uh, Tyson here was 
you know, we were talking about the, uh, for example, the gladiator that came out, you know, he's like, are you going to get that new gladiator? Again? I'm like, nah, man. I was like, recalls always happen in the first year. Recalls always happen in the first year. What happens? There was a ton of recalls. Same thing with all these like PlayStation fives and all these Xbox things. Everyone's like, you're going to get the new Xbox and get the new PlayStation. I'm like, no dude, because there's going to be issues. And already they had some like, you know, of those burn up and uh, catch fire because they were running too hot. So you never get the first of anything. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of like when I shop more so now yeah. than before. I never take the front items from the, uh, my wife. Yeah. She used to laugh at me, but she does the same thing now. And now in COVID, I told you, I told you, Pierce, I was born for this shit. I was ready for a pandemic my whole life. <laughs> like I'm so germaphobic. It's it's kind of crazy. What were you going to say, Tyson? You're about to say something there. No, I, I was just going to say it's, it's a little bit different. Um, you guys should should have Joel up here one day. Uh, this vaccine is a little bit different in the fact that it's not a live virus. Uh, this is basically just kind of pre-prepping your immune system uh, in case you do happen to catch COVID, that your immune system, because it's not a very strong virus, actually, um, if your body's prepared for it. So it's a little bit different because they're using RNA and it's not a live virus. So it's kind of spiking your immune system to prepare for this, but it's not actually nothing COVID is going into your actual bloodstream. So gotcha. it's, it's a little different. Um, does Joella know a lot about the vaccines in general? Because I would love to talk vaccines sometimes. Oh, I'm that's very... all she does. That's all she does. Uh, clinical trials. Yeah, clinical oh. trials. Uh, oh, dude. Whole, yeah. Whole, Make a note there, Pierce. I'm sorry. Yeah. I keep talking over you. It's really annoying with the Zoom because no, 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 no. if, if I talk, no. it like lowers your volume or whatever. Um, yeah, I would love to have her on and talk some vaccines just because I'm very curious about that whole process. I know there's a lot to it. It's very detailed and there are different types of vaccines. Um, I was curious like how much of it in general, not just the co the Corona one, but in general vaccines, how many of them, uh, what percentage of them are like live in some form or another and how many are something different. And I know with the MRNA, it's totally new and totally different. I um, mean, for sure not yeah. alive. But. She's been working, she was working on some interesting stuff. She actually, um, she worked on the uh, H1N1 vaccine, uh, the clinical trials. And I just literally, she was probably working 70 hours a week. Damn. I mean, it was, I remember we were actually at a Broncos game. She actually got me tickets to a Broncos game and we were at a Broncos game and she's sitting in the stands working um, during that time frame. She was working, one of the people that she was working with then was Dr. Fauci. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So, and, and it's crazy because I'm like, they came out with it so fast and she was like, mm, well, actually it's not that fast. And then she gave me like some clinical breakdown and I'm like, you know, it's like this. I'm like, okay. Oh, all right. It's not fast. Uh, okay. She, you know, starts spewing off all these factoids about clinical trials, but yeah, she knows this stuff, man. Like, like the back of her hand is that's what she does at a clinical trial. That's amazing. We should definitely have her on Pierce. Um, yeah. I would, I would love to go there and talk about, all I mean, she, stuff. she's there right now. So just go back there and go yeah. get her. Yeah. Nice. Like yeah. TR did the best spot <laughs> last week. Shit. Let's, let's, do a, <laughs> let's do an impromptu. Uh, <laughs> I'm very curious to know. Uh, I think one of her, one of her, um, you guys should ask her about coming out very fast. 
Um, yeah, I was curious too because my first question was: I thought I had read or heard somewhere at one point that they had actually started working on uh, various corona uh, vaccines, coronavirus vaccines, like as early as like two thousand five, six, something like that. Um, but they were it was different strains and stuff. Obviously, it wasn't this exact one. Yeah, I think COVID is not new. I think it's just this strand that's not this one. Yeah, yeah. Coronavirus has always been. Uh, has always been, oh, there she is. Um, I think it's always been around, but you should ask her that question. Hey, come here for a second. <laughs> so, Let her know she's about to be live on Facebook. They, yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they wanted to, they were saying that it was very fast, that the vaccine was being released, and I tried to tell them the way you educated me that it's not actually fast. Um, well, it's just that normally what happens is that they wait for FDA approval to start mass producing. But in these cases, they started producing when they started doing the studies. And so it, it got it quicker because they basically got ahead of it and they already were producing for six months the drug they didn't know would get approved, but they were hoping it would so that it, it took six months out. Normally they would wait until they got approval like in November and December, and then they would start mass producing and it would take six months. Uh, but instead they took a gamble and started mass producing it before they got approval so that it got rid of six months of a normal process. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, that's definitely very clear. Oh, yeah, I was telling them that this is not your typical vaccine in the sense that it's not a live virus or you're not, they're not actually injecting you with coronavirus joe i was yeah. saying uh that i would love to have you on like an entire episode sometime and just talk about that stuff because i'm so curious about vaccinations and like how they work in general um it seems like you'd be a good yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know anything like i know some stuff but i was on a vaccine trial for h1n1 back in 2009 where we did like ah. post-approval um study on people with asthma so i kind of have some experience from that but okay. um pretty fascinating i don't know but yeah, it's, yeah it does seem quick but it's because it's a pandemic and so they put everything behind it they knew it was important they were willing to lose money if it didn't work they overlapped the processes and, instead of keeping them linear so that yes we no, i mean because normally people would not put that they wouldn't want to risk that much money on a drug they don't know if it's going to get approved and so they would wait until they officially had fda approval and then they would start the process and they would mass produce but like knowing how important it was. I know in some cases, the government subsidized that mass production um, for which one? It wouldn't have been. Moderna. Moderna, yeah. So, so the government took that on, like that risk on. So it wasn't really risky for Moderna, but for the government to lose money. Um, but I think it's just because of it being so important, they sped it up by overlapping parts of the process that would normally go a b c they went a and then b and c were at the same time so. beautiful oh that's well explained yeah or someone might not to be afraid oh the, yeah, uh, no, i wouldn't oh i'm not, the, uh, I'm not really. type of vaccine but it's not even i mean i don't know i'm i'm not afraid i the fda has a process and it passed the process 100 no i'm not afraid I at all like, yeah and that, what I've heard, I know a lot of people that have gotten it already. And um, basically the first one, they've said not really any effect. And then the second one, 
people have felt kind of sick for a day and then been fine. Right. So, so it sounds like typical vaccination stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know what Mo just said? So, what do you say? Mo just said that, that the, it's a hoax. You don't need no sneaking shots. <laughs> Uh, interesting. Uh, it's not what he was saying about 12 minutes ago. So, <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks for clearing that up, Joe. That makes a lot of, a lot of sense. Nice shirt, by the way. Love it. Thanks. Got it in every color. Thank you. For an episode about this. Oh, okay. Because I don't know the ins and outs. Oh, the, I think the most interesting one that you were working on that actually intrigued me was it cockroach serum? Oh, yeah. You remember that one for asthma? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like inner, it was the Inner City Asthma Consortium, and they were doing studies on immunotherapy where you basically put something that you're allergic to, like under your tongue, and try to build up your immunity to it because a lot of inner city kids have things like cockroaches and stuff in their homes, and they're really allergic to them if they have asthma or severe allergies and so wait 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 so they're allergic to, co- cockroach. to cockroaches yes oh, wow yeah and it can it can like uh trigger <laughs> asthma attacks and things like that so it was studying basically trying to kind of like peanut allergies like trying to expose them to small amounts of something to build up their immunity so that it wouldn't affect them in the same way and it was like cockroaches right like yeah it was like cockroach serum or something yeah, that's they- terrible that sounds absolutely gross i'm just fascinated <laughs> by the the fact <laughs> the fact that i was watching pierce's face when you were talking about that over there um no i'm fascinated by the fact that it causes that the cockroaches cause allergies that's so crazy i would have never guessed that what a yep. trip so don't go outside tony and just start like getting a whole bunch of field stuff because you're allergic to outside and put it under your tongue. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've learned, I've learned a few times in my life. Like one time I told you I bailed hay and found out I was severely allergic to it. And I worked like 10 hours out in the sun, bailing hay all day. And then I was like, my face exploded. Like I was a disaster for like a week. It was, it was. Why do you always have stories? Like, (laughs) like, I think you need to write a book. I I feel like I'm in a sitcom and I just don't know it. (laughs) This is a Truman Show. This is in California. Uh, yes, that was in Northern California. Yeah, that was in Humboldt, actually, Joe. That's so funny. I have oh, funny story, real quick. Um, so randomly, we connected with a lot of non-racist, more liberal-leaning people in our neighborhood because of the pandemic and all the political stuff and everything. And one girl that I connected with um, went to Humboldt at the same time we were there, and her husband. Um, and they're actually moving back. Like they're up in Washington. Yeah, they just sold their house and they're in Washington right now, like living with her family and they're, um, they have two kids, but they're like, they were like right there at the same time as us. And so I was like, this is crazy. Like how's it possible that we went to Arizona to meet someone from Humboldt. Oh, that's hilarious. That's so crazy. My first question is like. A trip. And I was like, there are so many people I would love to like coordinate all of us being there at the same time. I miss it. So yes. Oh, absolutely. I talk about it all the time. I really want to take my kids out there and uh, take my wife and stuff and and see it. Years, actually. I remember like when we first met, how bad you said you wanted to take your kids to Humboldt. Oh, is that right? Oh, that's sad. Yeah. (laughs) Really? <laughs> Way to bring that up on here. You're saying that for 14 years, dollar. 
<laughs> we went when Callie was really young, like uh, two maybe, yeah, or, right, or maybe before she turned two. But we haven't been back since, so yeah, we, it would be. We had breakfast at a place that she swore was good. That. You know, <laughs> <laughs> what was the place? You remember the cookhouse, like out? Um, it's like it's like buffet style out in the. I get you know thinking back on it though I mean I had like a work study job I I I doubt I was not eating out. I was living off of beans and rice <laughs> um, you know what I'm curious about your friend like what they're doing out there because I would always I've always would love the idea of moving out there but it's just work you know like what would I yeah know. she um I mean the pandemic like her I think her husband lost his job and then he was looking for a new job and he got like a new business job like teaching, I think business school or something like that. And it's remote. And so really, I think that's going to, you're going to see that a lot more is a lot of people can work remote now mm-hmm. and they have a lot more flexibility on choosing where they want to live because it doesn't matter. So you see that in Mike's backdrop. What is it? <laughs> oh gosh. Barb. It's almost I, I specifically yeah. moved over to you cause I saw me, I was like this, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to come visit us then and uh, you guys are going to go see that disgustingness in person we're going to take it to the Dean Dome too she, no, she was like what, are you seriously going to get season tickets I was like I'm going to try I, I think it's probably a 38 year wait list probably well don't look at that corner right there I don't know if you can see it no it's just I love that uh-huh. Says wish granted and Coach K autographed Grant Hill and autographed Coach K pick. I still haven't put them up yet. Oh, still wow. kind of setting my office up here. Oh, dang. Hey, Mike is who we should have sent to the basketball camp. <laughs> <laughs> For real, though, that's a true statement, I bet. <laughs> no, but they have the old they have the old people Coach K one you can go to the basketball camp. Oh, really? I didn't, I didn't know, know that. Oh my gosh, Ontario, you're, you're really? Ontario's going to be Googling it right now. I didn't know like, that. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, bro. I'm serious. I did. Are you kidding me? No, man. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> he's, he's Googling it right now. <laughs> yeah. He's like, how do I find out about this? Interesting. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I did not know that. Um, well, hopefully one of us can get a vaccine. I really want to get one, but it's yeah. very hard. Well, me too. I know. That's I was just telling these guys we go back to in person teaching on Tuesday. Um, so I'll be, and then I was there this week too because we had access testing that had to be done in person. Uh, and so I've been around kids and everything, you know. On priority list now, though, in Colorado to get it? Yeah. But it, they're saying at first they were, it was sounding like it was going to be third week in January, which was pretty cool because that's about when we're going back. Um, but now they're saying it's like late February to mid March. And I was joking with these guys because I'm like, by the time I get the first one, and then I wait, <laughs> and then I get the second one, and then I wait till I reach full immunity, and then it's summer break. So it's like, it makes no sense. Zero sense. <laughs> at least you're, at least you're on the list. Like, we try. I don't. Did you tell him how we signed up? It, we, we signed up to volunteer. Yeah, we signed up to volunteer, and we're like eight hundred something on the list of like wait list. So, so, so what we're up against is people getting paid by their employer, Blue Cross Blue Shield, to volunteer. So we're we're battling to volunteer for no money, just a shot, and uh, we're we're battling for these time slots. 
against people that are getting paid by Blue Cross Blue Shield to quote unquote volunteer. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's just really just knocked us down the list. Damn, that sucks, dude. Like, how do you volunteer? How do you compete against someone that's getting paid? They're incentivized monetarily and they get the shot. And we just want the shot. (laughs) It's just crazy. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that's a real bummer. That's it's uh it's not it has not it's been far from perfect too. It's just far as like distribution and everything goes. Like it's just depends on where you are, like locally. Oh yeah, they heard did you hear that they said they were releasing the national stockpile and it was already gone? It's already gone. It's been gone, they said for two months. The last two months has been gone. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Shocking. <laughs> Yeah, so so those uh, people I know that are scared, uh, they're definitely in the minority, I guess, because there's a <laughs> lot of people getting that. Uh, well, it's part of the reason why, like, he didn't say they were releasing it. Bye, Thanks, Joe. Part of the reason he said he was releasing it is because Joe Biden announced that's the, one of the first things that he was going to do. I'm going to do it first. Yeah, so then Trump announced that he was going to do it. <laughs> and now they said, what stockpile? <laughs> I. I just can't make this up. What you what you got in my stockpile, homie? What stockpile? <laughs> what stockpile? <laughs> He's so so out of out of uh, out of touch with his own administration. They probably went to him and said, uh, "Mr. President, there is no stockpile," and he had no earthly clue that there was no stockpile. Yeah, so, dude, Tyson, we have not talked in a very long time. Um, I'm definitely curious to hear your thoughts. It's fu- it's funny we look back on all those old podcast episodes uh, where you tell where you were telling us years ago. You know, people are going to come out of the woodwork. We're going to be surprised, uh, and how much uh, how many people are going to support them? How much racism exists in our country that we just don't see on a day to day? And sure as shit, everything has come true. This is it's taken it to new new levels. Even I couldn't see coming oh, after yeah. it kept getting crazier and crazier. And then you look at what happened a couple of weeks ago, and you're just like, "Wow, dude!" Like I, yeah. I wonder what you think sitting back watching uh, this. Um, I think uh, it's the last hoorah for. I actually think it's the last hoorah for racism. Um, I think this is. I think there are three factors. And these people are trying to exercise their their privilege that they know they've had since the inception of this country, their entitlement, since they they know they've had that since the inception of this country. And I I think they are really afraid. And I think I told you this and Mike, that they're really afraid of becoming a minority. I think that label, everything this guy has done has been to try to protect their majority status he has gone after every single minority that has been in this country for generations in order to protect the majority and they know that they they'll never come out and say what the real reasons are but privilege entitlement and majority status i these are things that they are fighting for they have no they haven't once said anything about a policy absolutely nothing and when they say he's fighting for us they're not talking about me they're they're literally talking about their kind um but it was it was shocking last week and it's still kind of like did that really happen you know um but just to also see the restraint by the police um 
I, I think so many things were exposed that we have two different judicial systems. Um, we have two different policing methods. Uh, they just killed a guy in Killeen, Texas, who was having a mental episode. Guy had his hands up, kept walking towards the cop, and the guy wasn't, he wasn't, uh, didn't have any weapons on him, had his hands up, but he kept walking towards the cop, and the cop killed him. Um, but then you see people actually trying to break down the walls of the Capitol building and minimal shots fired. I mean, granted, there was some loss of life, but during that day, there was only really one loss of life of the enemy. Those people were literally the enemy. So I, I'm still just kind of amazed and I'm just ready to see what comes out of it. I think you guys are sitting, you guys have, we have some bad ones in Arizona. Uh, I think you guys have a really bad one and she's a little firecracker. They're going to have to expel her. Um, she is horrible. And it's that, I think her name is pronounced Bobert. Uh, she, she's bad. She's a bad person um, and, and dangerous. But these people are literally traitors. Just, they're not protecting Trump. They wanted to protect. Trump gave them, emboldened their privilege, entitlement, and their majority status. So I think this might be the last hurrah for that mentality, essentially, is kind of my thought. That's interesting. <clears throat> it sounds really, really optimistic to me. Um, man, I... I'm not going to around overnight. But I think that is the last great action for what they want to protect. Okay. Yeah. And, and I mean, you were, you were definitely right about everything else so far. Um, so I, so I uh, listened carefully to, you know, your ideas and kind of what you're perceiving. Um, just me, you know me, I was a history major. Um, you know, I'm taking a, my master's degree that I'm working on is in critical pedagogy. So we're really looking at how entrenched in the system uh, racism is and how uh, disenfranchisement and all these things really are. And it's it's everywhere, dude. It's in not just these the ones who are blatantly racist, uh, the ones, you know, flying their flag and, you know, KKK and all, you know, that whole group. Uh, but I think it's more deep than that. And I think uh, it even affects it affects people like me who consider myself, well, I'm not a racist, you know, but but like, I think there are things in my mind all the time. Like, I, I don't know if I brought this up on a podcast before. Mike might remember this. Um, but I remember uh, seeing a video one time, and it was like this study they did on teachers where they had teachers um, monitoring children through something like this. Like a, It wasn't Zoom at the time, but it was like, like a Zoom meeting, basically, where they could see them on the screen. And they had uh, eye movement detection on the computer. And they told them before, they warned them about like who the bad kids were. And they intentionally did it saying all the white kids. like Not all the white kids, but like specific white kids, where they're like, keep an eye on this kid, he's trouble. Keep an eye on this kid, he's trouble. And they didn't say uh, anything about the black children, but when they watched the teacher's eyes, they mo they they uh, they monitored like the frequency of correction from the teacher. The, they monitored uh, the frequency of their eyes watching them just when things were kind of chill, and it was just so clear. Like the teachers were watching the black kids way more. They were correcting them way more, um, and you realize, and these weren't like 
You know what I mean? These weren't the people marching on the Capitol. These were regular teachers um, that just, you know what I mean? Like it's so, I think it's so deeply in our society um, and everyone's afraid to really talk about it. Um, so when I hear you say that, I it's good. I, I kind of heard you as saying like, it's the last dying breath, which I don't think you are saying now. Um, so when I heard you say that, I was kind of like, ah, I don't know. I feel like this is going to take some time for us to work out and to really understand, you know, it's not that many generations ago we had slaves in this country. You know what I mean? It's like... Right. Uh, no, I, I don't. I mean, in terms of actions, I think this is the last hurrah. Um, I think, and this is not pointing the finger at the education system, but I think a lot of the teachers have whitewashed America's history. And I, I, I say that, and, and it's been kind of co-signed by the, the, the textbooks and the things that the curriculum, like a lot of times they don't even mention the word slavery is, oh, dude. you know, I saw an indentured servitude for several uh, of, you know, elementary and middle school books where they're not actually, they sugarcoat everything. So it was kind of a, kind of a, oh, they didn't have to be slaves. This was, you know, them paying back a debt or what have you. Um, but I think, I think America has a very ugly history that has never been addressed properly. And it's kind of like when you have an illness that you don't go to the doctor for and it continues to develop and grow and grow. And then it, it either results in death or something loss of limb or what have you. When if you were to have it addressed or address it, then you can start to heal and, and recover. America's never been, they skipped from step A to step Z and said, oh, don't worry about the middle. You know, like in Germany, when I was in Germany, I went to several concentration camps and these things are a huge part of their history. And they actually, I'm not going to say they embrace it, but they teach it and instill it because they don't want history to repeat itself. We have never done that. We've never taken that method in this country is, you know, they've taken slave quarters instead of taking, making them historical landmarks, they've turned them into shops in places like South Carolina, you know, turn them into retail, which, and I'm pretty sure they're owned by a majority white people who don't acknowledge the history of the buildings that, that they're profiting off of. So I think it's a matter of acknowledging. And I think, honestly, everyone that's standing for Trump Biden benefits more. He benefits these people more, but they could care less because it's not about the policies. It's not about what he's able to do for them is can you protect my status in this country or their perception of their status in this country? Yeah, that's interesting. So, um, hmm. So you, so you, are you, you're a fan of Biden, not a fan? Where do you stand on you think he's uh... um, I, I don't know. I, I think he's trying, you know, when you look at who he is surrounding himself with, that's a heck of an effort. Um, you know, he, I think, I think he's actually putting, he's putting his, his money where his mouth is. Um, so, I mean, it remains to be seen. I think he is what I actually, and I hate to say it, but I think, 
had he ran against Trump four years ago, there would be no Trump today. Um, because America, America is so embraced by male dominance, you know, um, if you have a candidate like him, I, I, I don't know. I like the fact that he's actually making an effort. He's not going to be perfect. President Obama was far from perfect. And they made an admission on the night of his inauguration. They were having secret meetings, Mitch McConnell and all those guys on how to stop him. It, it, every turn they wanted to stop him and basically delegitimize his presidency. So I, I think he's going to be great. I think he has a lot of answers. I think the country will turn a corner this year. I'm going to project this year. And I think a lot of people are going to crawl back into their racist holes. But I think that one of the things that's upsetting me is that they have to make examples out of some of these people. If they don't, it's going to repeat itself a lot sooner than, than what we know. Because and, and we are have, seeing some of that, right? Well, yeah. So they have, yeah. So they have so far, they have almost 200 cases um, that they've opened up on the, the riders. Right. And I, I want to say like um, over, over a third of them have actually had charges um, put against them. So 200 people, like, you know, 70-something, 80 of them have cases um, and charges against them. And they have a ton more. Like, if you look at the FBI's, like, website, um, there's, like, pages and pages that they've taken from still cameras, you know, asking, have you, do you know this person? 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 And, you know, like, every day they take, them, they take pictures down because people are coming forward and saying, oh, yeah, I know that person. Like... <laughs> Like and ran them out. Let me tell you what Black America thinks about these people that they've arrested, and I feel confident in speaking. I can't, I can't say this without solid proof, but I feel confident in saying that they feel these people are going to have are going to receive a slap on the wrist. They're going to receive, you know, it's the sob story of uh, my 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 client has no priors. My client's an outstanding citizen. They're going to blame. The blame game is already, you already see that happening on Donald Trump. He told me to go there. He wanted us there. He told us to go to the Capitol. They're going to point the finger. Another thing that's going to come back to bite people um, or to help those, but be a, it's going to be a slap in our face, is how many judges he appointed. He appointed oh, a yeah. lot of judges. And these people are the people, the exact people that are going to be overseeing these cases. And prime example, you look at that rapist in, at Stanford and the judge said he didn't want to ruin that kid's life over rape, essentially. Uh, so I think what you're going to see is a lot of, it's going to be a lot of disappointing sentencing. I think a lot of probation. Like I saw one of the guys um, that took out the lectern uh, Nancy Pelosi's lectern. He's looking at the camera smiling as he's carrying out her lectern. He was arrested and he was released on bail because he was a stay-at-home father and he needed to be there to take his kids to school. And literally, th this is what they said, shop at the grocery store, provide, go to the grocery store and shop for his family. And cook where, where were his kids that day? And does the dude live in Washington, well, D.C.? Right. He lives oh, in he Florida. Got, and he got bail. He got bail. He's out. He's got to be out to take He's care out. of his kids, but he could go to, he could go to the Capitol. Yes. And, wow. Yes. Because he was a stay at home dad. 
he needed he needed to get out. He needed to be out. So we're already starting to see some of that privilege. And I think it's going to be, unfortunately, I think it's going to be more disappointing because it's going to be a lot of probation sentences handed out because judges don't want to ruin these good people, these good, good people's lives. That's interesting. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I've well, seen, did you see, did you see us uh, a few of them, like before they even were able to get home, um, we're put on the no fly. And so like, there's like that one dude, he's like flipping out at the airport and he's like, they called me a terrorist. And he's crying. He's like, it's ruined my life. <laughs> and it's like, well, what did you expect, bro? Like, <laughs> you guys marched into a federal, like, what did you expect guys? Like what? Yeah. Well, we're they white. We're white though. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, exactly. They're pr- And you know what? The reason like, they're trying to compare it to Black Lives Matter, which is a slap in, in everyone's face, if you really think about it, because there is not there isn't a single black person that's walking the United States or would ever imagine, let's go storm the Capitol. It would it would the thought wouldn't even cross our minds. But these people have been privileged for so long that they can actually think and not only think that, but they can carry it out and think that it's okay because they know that their privilege and entitlement likely a lot of these people think that Trump is going to pardon them. That's, that's what a lot of them are believing. And that's their privilege and entitlement. They well, judge is going to be lenient, but sorry, Mike. Did you see the one dude that the, the Buffalo horns and the skin, the, the shaman, the, he's uh he asked for the, uh, um, yeah, Arizona dude. He asked for a, uh, his, his attorneys are asking for Trump to pardon him. Yes. And, and the other thing too, is like, he's in jail now. Like he didn't post any bail or anything. He's still in jail. And um, like, he's asking um, the, his lawyers and everything were asking for uh, organic food because if he doesn't eat organic food, then he's going to get sick to his stomach and possibly die if he has to eat the prison food. And so they're trying to get him organic food into the That's prison. They granted it. Yeah. They granted it. They grant they as uh Shamad. Tony, you may know know about this. Shaman. No, no, they just call him shaman. He's a shaman. That's what yeah. they say. So he has to have his mother said he will physically get sick. So he has to have organic food. <laughs> he does yoga and he's just a great outstanding human being. They actually granted him having organic food. Now you imagine the lesser in the prison system. Now, if you're going to grant organic food for one, you should grant it for all. (laughs) This guy is literally receiving organic food in prison. Surprised he's not going to get, he's going to get beat up soon. (laughs) Yes. But to even grant that and you're giving these other prisoners literally slop. Again, that, that privilege is following him. It's with him behind jail bars is crazy and then watch him watch him only get probation he's facing up to 25 years but you know like again these judges are strategically placed i i don't think a lot of these people are going to serve any serious hard time or if they do it's going to end up being like uh the actress that paid to have her kid admitted to what usc where she received what uh, oh yeah she was becky from full house right yes 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 and you see privilege like that, whereas you have a young lady in Texas that 
was, had falsified documents to get her kids into a much better school, she's serving five years. And, you know, so you see things like that, a, a much better private school. She just wanted a better education for her kids. She gets five years. So that's what happens. And the judges don't value everyone's life equally. Hmm. Yeah, that's depressing. But that's, I mean, that's exactly what I'm talking about, man. It's, it's so entrenched in our system. Um, and it's situations like this. And I think I, I do see kind of your point in like it being the last big action only because maybe never before has it been so blatant. I mean, that was so, the privilege was so clear because um, I was watching it and just that, I mean, that's what I was thinking. I was like, holy crap. Like, can you imagine if Black Lives Matter started busting down doors and shit at, you know, it, it, like it. Well, they wouldn't have made it to the steps because remember they have photos and video of yeah. military yeah. standing on the steps had little rows of soldiers standing on the steps. Didn't so they get they pepper never... sprayed as well? Wait, was that was on the... Yeah. 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 Um, and someone else said, imagine if this was, if these were Muslims, they would have been sniped from the rooftop. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah, it's, it's all about privilege. It is all 100% about these people felt privileged and entitled and they can do this. Well, this is mine that's how they see it yeah well except i don't think they see themselves as privileged i think that's a big part of this problem like from the outside it's really clear they're privileged but i don't i don't know if they see themselves as privileged they just see themselves as what this is normal this is what we do entitled. Um, yeah entitled I and and i hate to say it but that's what my point is is like even guys like me carry some of this around with us because i remember years ago having a conversation with you, uh, I believe Bruce Leroy was there, uh, Mike, you were talking about it, and we were just talking about our experiences getting pulled over by cops. And I was like dumbfounded. And it was like a really naive moment for me where I was sitting there going, what the fuck? Like literally, yeah. like this is really happening. Like your experiences are so different. I remember you talking about your experiences at car salesmen and going in and stuff like that. And I remember waking up slowly to all this stuff. And so I think these guys, they're not like, yes, we have extra privileges. I don't think they consciously think that at all. I think they just walk around like the shit don't stink and they can just go march in and how dare you not give me organic food in the, you know what I mean? Like they're not even aware <laughs> Like Mike said, Mike, you know, like I was saying, privilege, entitlement, uh, those are the two biggest things because only they can think of such basically blatant treason and think that it's okay. Only they. Like, that has never once crossed my mind when I want to fight for equal rights. Maybe we should get together and storm the Capitol. Like, that has never... That is never, this is like the Boston Tea Party on crystal meth. Um, it has never crossed my mind to even, and I'm sure many others, like Tony, I'm sure that is never something that would never cross your mind. And then you see these cops with literal guns on their hips and they're afraid to take, if, if they're trying to kill me, I'm going to take four, five, six, however many rounds my weapon can hold. That's who's coming with me if oh. they're trying to take me out. Man, they, did you guys see the video of the, the girl, the Ashley Babbitt? They got shot. Did you see the video of that? Yeah, yes. when it got shot like in the doorway or whatever. Yeah. Well, did you see, like, did you see the whole video of it? Uh, I don't think so. 
I don't think I saw that. So, I saw yeah, like- so there's like a couple angles and there's one guy, he's like filming. He's like, you guys, let's go. This There's one like media guys in there. He's like telling them, let's not go. Let's go somewhere else. Let's go this. Oh. And they're, they're like breaking it down. It's obviously, you know, um, plexiglass and, and everything like that. Cause it's not, it's not shattering. It's just, you know, cracking and cracking and cracking. And they can, you can see all the representatives in there and they're, they're being rushed out of the hall, out of the chamber. And like, it shows like a whole bunch of representatives that they can, pick them out and everything like that and they're being rushed out and um all of a sudden like they bust down one of the windows down right so you can get access and walk in and all of a sudden you see this at the corner of the the shot and you you hear and you hear the guy goes oh god you guys you guys you guys you guys gun 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 he's like filming it and there's you know he has black gloves on it's you know secret service guy has guns on here like this and all of a sudden you see homegirl climbing through that window no. And he told them the guy, yeah. the guy on her side said, guys, they have guns on the other side. Yeah. Her side was saying they have guns on the other side, guns yeah. on the other side. And she jumped through and the guy warned her that was going to shoot. He's like, get down, get down, get down. And then all of a sudden, pow, like you know, wasn't playing right in her neck, dude. You know, they disown her. Basically she died for their fucked up cause. And they basically said she is Antifa. They her. I'm serious. Can't make. I didn't it know that. I didn't really. I haven't heard. Yeah. I haven't followed all that. Yeah, and the cop that they killed was a Trump supporter, and they beat. They got the guy who beat beat a cop with a, a flagpole that had the flag on the other end. But you know that flag is precious and sacred. Uh, I guess sacred enough to kill someone because he was using that flagpole to literally beat a cop to death. So. And, and they're killing cops, but Blue Lives Matter. So, I mean, the hypocrisy, I mean, you just saw the full display of everything that, you know, nothing they've said over the past two years has been true. It's been when something doesn't fit their cause or narrative, they're quickly turning on it. Like they wanted Mike Pence. They wanted to kill Mike. And I don't know if you guys have seen, but my father-in-law and I were talking about it today. They were literally less than a minute from getting to Mike Pence. Well, that the, the shaman guy, he also had like a whole letter. Yes. Showing that they were going to go out there and capture and and kill representatives. That's that, that was the whole plan to go and capture and and kill representatives. Well, there's some investigation now too, right. On involvement uh, of actual congressmen and stuff. And there clearly was some involvement from government officials. There was like the one dude who just was recently elected, uh, they got himself in trouble. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I think it seems like, like they're literally saying that there was like collusion with the government at this point. It's another all, one it's was all alleged uh, at this point, but they are. Yeah, and another one was like live tweeting saying where Mike Pence was the whole time. That's the boat. That's the Bobert girl. Yes. Yeah. Pelosi. She said Pelosi. Left. So that. Oh yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. You look at the chain of events from her that morning before this even happened. She tweeted today is 1776. And then she tweeted, uh, we're being rushed to some, some place, some location. Yeah. She was telling all the locations. Yeah. yeah. And then she said, Nancy Pelosi was removed. She's tweeting this live tweeting this Nancy Pelosi was removed. So she's no longer, your target's no longer there, but they were also chanting, we want Mike Pence. And they were literally less than a minute away because they ended up storming the room that Pence was in. He didn't want to leave. 
he actually had declined Secret Service asking him to leave twice. And the third time, Secret Service said, you have no say in this. You are coming with us. <laughs> they literally had to take him out of the building. And with less than a minute, they were in that room. And they were chanting outside, hang Mike Pence. Hang Mike Pence. Holy shit, dude. I mean, th- yeah, this is like, they were, they were, I call them Trump zombies. Well, the other thing that boggles my mind, too, is, you know, how, like, they said, like, a lot of the stuff was planned online through, like, the different social media outlets and everything. Tell me if this wasn't, like, monitored Muslims or something like that, that that shit would have been shut down immediately. Like, SWAT teams would have been at doors, like, before they even left for airplanes. You You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) it really goes back to privilege and entitlement because the mayor requested five different times to have national guard there. And she was declined by the Pentagon to have the Pentagon days before you have, um, they had actual, I was just reading this where they had, um, the day before they're not allowed to get tours because of COVID there, there've been no tours of the congressional halls. They have Congress members giving some of these people tours of Congress the day before. This is on video. This was huh. also witnessed and testified by other, by military members, former military members who are now Congress people. One was a lady. Uh, she was a female helicopter pilot. She said, everyone found it weird. Like, why are these people being shown around? This was November, this was the 5th, January 5th. Why are these people being shown around and escorted around? And they actually called it out to Capitol Hill to uh, Congress police, to to uh, sergeant at arms. And they said, well, in order to be show, basically shown around, you have to be invited and by a Congress or a senator. So they're literally giving these people, re- and so now they're saying these people were, had received reconnaissance tours the day before, and they have this on video. Like, it is just, but I will tell you, if, these people aren't made examples out of it is going to happen again and sooner because no one is being held. No one would have been held accountable to make people say, Oh no, that's not going to be me. I'm not going to go do 50 years for a losing battle for a losing cause. And that's what it is. They I've never seen somebody fight a loss so hard in my life. Never. That reminds me of, uh, uh, like, uh, Chappelle, um, rants and he's like ask any old black man he's like they'll tell you how many years you get <laughs> he's like oh don't do that that's 25 years yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm tell- it's crazy man like people think in that sense first and foremost but they don't think in that sense but the, i think a lot of them think too that trump was going to pardon them. and trump could trump wouldn't piss on these people if their asses were on fire and they're so gullible so gullible and he's still sending out emails asking for money like it and he knows the well is drying up so he has no use for these people he doesn't even want to be president i heard he's going to mar-a-lago he's done oh yeah no he's like he's not staying he he's having a send-off yeah rally at the airport yeah yeah send-off rally at the airport um, he's not even like doing the traditional inauguration, then leaving in the helicopter deal. This is the first time ever that an outgoing president has ever declined going to the inauguration. 
I heard, yeah, I heard like his daughter's going though, and like he's not get, going. No. Oh, she's not going. Okay. Uh, and yeah, he's going to twenty-one gun salute at the at the airport. I mean, that's what they do at funerals. So, yeah, <laughs> it's a sad day for him and his supporters. But I think the very next, I think um, the New York Attorney General said January twenty-first. She has like eighteen or nineteen indictments waiting for him. Wow. Oh, damn. <laughs> she, she's already. Because he's not a sitting president. So he can be now convicted. Yeah. They said the indictments are waiting for him. And then what's going to happen to him, too? He's going to be sued by these people that. Oh, yeah. Congress, too. They're going to they're sue Trump. Yep. Wow. So that's why he was trying to say, if you are violent, you're no, you, this is, you're, you're no supporter of mine. Because he's trying to wash his hands with this stuff because he knows the lawsuits are coming. I mean, he's, he's going to be in ruin. Well, I was telling Tony the last time, dude, he, they're, the, they're getting sued. The Trump administration is getting sued by the, um, the voting place for like $1.3 billion, billion dollars. Yep. Oh, you want to know something even crazier. Um, he has told his people not to pay Rudy Giuliani what he owes him. <laughs> Rudy Giuliani is not so Rudy Giuliani is on the verge of being disbarred and stiffed by Donald Trump who he has been singing the praises from here to the moon and fighting for Trump said do not pay him this is who he is he's, he a, he's, he's a dysfunctional individual dude like yeah. for reals um, yeah I had seen a fellow teacher posted not too long ago. Like he, like they were like legit serious. The dude should be on suicide watch. Um, can you imagine? <laughs> but like, who knows? Like, I don't even, I don't even understand how his brain works to be honest. Well, there's going to be like, you know, like Tyson was just saying, there is so many like litigations waiting. There's so many, you know, um, charges and everything that are sitting in like, not just like New York, but they're, you know, other States too, dude, they're all coming out. And as soon as, you know, the 21st comes, they're letting them go. <laughs> and storming Congress ruined uh, any attempts of a pardon, a federal pardon for him. They said, if he pardons himself, he is really up shit's Creek without a pardon. <laughs> he's done. His own attorneys have told him that you're, you're done. If you can't even do that now. Don't even think about doing it. So in, in the Mike Pence, I, I, I don't understand. I, I just, I, these people are still, still following their, their leader. It's insane, man. It's sad. But if they don't address it and actually make examples out of these people, including congressmen and, and law enforcement and military soldiers that were there, then uh, it's, it's going to be it's going to happen again. It's going to be worse. It is because that's just going to reinforce and reiterate to them. They do indeed have privilege and entitlement in this country that they can exercise whenever they feel like it, even if it means breaking the law. Yeah. I feel nervous about 2024 already. Um, I'm already scared of what's going to happen. Cause we, I mean, we saw what happened. Like that's how the things tend to work. It's like that pendulum that swings back and forth and, I remember when Obama got elected and it was like, uh, it was amazing, you know, from my perspective, uh, it sounds hilarious. I'm a grown ass man. I literally cried that night. Um, I was so excited to see like change in our country and like moving in a different direction. And then you watched, especially after he got 
reelected. Like the amount of hatred and just vitriol and just, um, it just grew around us. And then that's how we ended up with this situation where Donald Trump became the president and you get this wild ass, dysfunctional, psychological nut just walking around. He just, I, I like, I don't even understand. I don't understand. He doesn't seem even to act in self-interest at times. Uh, and you don't even understand it because like that, if there's one thing I understand about the guy is he's driven by self-interest. Um, but yeah. every once in a while, he just does some random shit, and you're like, "Wait, how do? You, why are you even doing that? Like, I don't even you're just saying shit, not even thinking about what you're doing." Um, but I, so, so I'm fearful of like what's going to happen uh, four years from now if this is where things are currently, uh, and then we get four years of uh, Democratic leadership, um, and we're starting to see. It just depends on how things go, I guess. But I, I am fearful to see how far back that pendulum might swing again in four years, or even especially if a Democrat does get elected again in four years, uh, what will happen after they that? They have four years to make examples. If they don't, they have four years to, to really make examples of these people, including Trump. They have four years. If they don't, it probably will happen in 2024 that we have um, – a Trump 2.0, um, and they've looked. They would have examined what Trump failed, how he failed, and make sure then to, to not go down the same course, but it's, but still have a lot of Trump in them, and it, and it will be bad. But if they don't do anything to these people, it you can like you said, it'll be sooner than later. We're, we'll probably be looking at 2024. Um, mm-hmm. They have to make examples out of these people they have to do you think that'll happen uh not consistently um if you i think if you have 50 that are prosecuted and i'm just throwing out a number if you have 50 that are prosecuted and you only severely punish 10 that's not going to get the message across that's not going to get the point across um I think at some point, if it's done right over the next four years, you can kind of deprogram some of these people. If Trump is, you, you got to think about this too. There's so much stuff that's going to come out probably starting January 21 that we had no idea was going on on the, and on the back end uh, with Donald Trump and the White House. So as those things start to come out and people maybe people will start to come to the realization that they were falling a false prophet. Um, maybe they have four years, man. They have to do everything right to make sure we don't have another Donald Trump. They have four years, maybe not even four. They might have two because there are a lot of elections in 2022 um, to make sure that this is, that they take care of this, right? I think New York is going to be the nail in the coffin for Trump. Um, his own niece is suing him. Um, She's the one who wrote the book, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's another lady that he sexually assaulted. She said, I'm waiting for you because apparently I think she might even have a Bill Clinton situation where she has his DNA or something. I don't, I don't know something crazy, but she, oh, said, she, she said, I'm waiting for January 21. Uh, and, and it's on basically. Um, so I, I, I think Melania is going to leave him. Um, and I think if he's ruined the right way, you won't see another Trump for a long time in this country. But if he is not held accountable and the people that basically the traitors, 
I mean, they had Confederate flags in Congress, never been done before. Never. Even back in civil rights, it was never, never once has there been a, a, a Confederate flag in the halls of Congress. This is how, this is how bold and entitled these people are. So I, I think too, part of two, part of the problem is they're going to have to, someone said, um, do you think that we're focusing too much on foreign threats when we should be focusing on domestic threats? And I think that, I think that's true. I, I think that's absolutely true. We, we focus on foreign stuff like crazy though, dude, like yeah. in that COVID relief bill, like, you know, that the, all those memes went up, you know, with like, you know, um, Iran getting money. Um, what was it India or Pakistan where it's getting like, millions of dollars for transgendered studies like it, like why I, are we funding why are we funding their transgendered studies <laughs> I, I looked into a lot of the funding and after i saw a congresswoman she said a lot of people are seeing it just as a dollar sign but if you look deeper into it a lot of that money is going to for to fund embassies it's going for foreign relations there's a lot of things and i when i heard because at first i was like why are these countries getting the money? But when you look into it, there's a lot of things that actually benefit America and Americans. Like if you have someone going over to India that's getting in trouble, and I'm just naming India, but if you have someone going over to an American go over to India getting in trouble, you have to have uh, a certain level of diplomacy and to have that person needs to have a certain level of American representation. Though that funding goes for all of the above. It was really deep what she said, and I wish I could find it again. Uh, but she said it's, a lot of people are just looking at the dollar signs, but it was a lot more, there's a lot larger reasons. And nine times out of 10 is to benefit actually Americans that may be living there even huh, okay. in, in these different countries. Yeah, so it, it was real. I'll see if I can find it and send it to you, but it really kind of changed my perspective because I was thinking that too. Like, and, and also kind of, that kind of falls into the Trump narrative of America first. And it's like, okay, well, everyone's saying America first, but we're sending all this money overseas. But this Congress lady, she just, I mean, she got, oh man, it was deep. I was like, wow, I never, never thought about that. All I care about is let me get this 10K, the minimum of student loans. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's enough, man. I really don't. It's a start. I will take a start. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? But you know, you're the biggest thing I'm actually happy about for people, the potential for minimum wage increase. And it's been long overdue. It has really, I, there are still some places I think, like even here, I'm in, I'm in Idaho. I think their minimum wage is $7.25. Yes. What? I'm not making this up, bro. Uh, seven twenty-five. I literally remember making seven twenty-five, and that yeah, was when a, I was sixteen. Right. <laughs> yes. Exactly. But, but, but you can't go and get a three ninety-nine Big Mac meal from McDonald's. That that Big Mac meal is going to run you almost ten dollars. And so everything around us has gone up except for uh, wages. Like seven dollars. There are a ton. There are actually quite a few states that are still seven and a quarter. Yeah, seven dollars twenty-five cents an hour. But everything just to live and breathe has gone up around them, and these people don't deserve that. I don't like everyone isn't privy to a top-notch 
uh, Division I education. And even some of those people can't find jobs that, that to make the income to, to keep themselves afloat. So it, you, can't, you can't say, oh, that's the choices that they make. That's bullshit. That is just a cop-out for people to turn the other cheek and look the other way. I'm really hopeful that this, this gets through where it is $15 an hour because it is time to bring wages into the 21st century. Look at that. That is legit. Damn, bro. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's, I'm kind of curious, Pierce. You should look up a couple. What is it in Colorado now? Do you know? It's $12. Okay, it's 12 uh, What is it in California, I wonder? Because it was like same as you. I remember making seven twenty-five, and I was probably like sixteen, something like that. Yeah, uh, California's twelve now, as well. Now pull up uh, North Carolina. Huh? Hmm. There, there are quite a few states. I think Texas may be one of them too. And yeah. like, how can people? How can you live like that? I, I just yeah. Look at that. And then when you ask, why do people resort to a life of crime? It's not that they want to. It may be the only way they can provide. Some of them, not all of them. Um, but to $7.25 an hour for a place, a location like Texas. Bro, no excuses. I think Arizona's seven and a quarter, too. No excuses. No excuses. So you know, I, I would like, and then, you know, these people come, oh, my business is going to shut down. But you didn't complain when you went up a dollar on your on your chicken sandwich. You didn't complain when you're selling fountain sodas for three dollars and fifty cents when it's nothing but ice and water, you know, things like that. It, you didn't complain when when gas went from ninety. I remember ninety nine cents, actually about seventy seventy nine eighty nine cents a gallon to to two and three dollars a gallon. No one complained then. Oh, I remember going. I remember going old man status, and when I first saw that uh, sodas at restaurants were like three dollars and fifty cents, you could fit a twelve ounce can inside a whole you know, like a big glass with ice. A whole twelve ounce can, three dollars and fifty cents. I was an old ass man. I was like, I'm gonna drink my three dollars and fifty cents worth of sodas. Now, uh, I will say this: if you eat at Chick Fil A, you got some money. <laughs> 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 Shot, shots fired <laughs> everybody can afford those chick-fil-a uh daddy daughter nights now <laughs> oh that was specific yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he knows i'm kidding but but seriously man you look at chick-fil-a i mean their sandwiches might i mean you would know this off the top of the head what is it, like seven eight bucks just for the sandwich for the meat, well, for, no, for like five bucks for the, the sandwich. Like for the meals, like eight bucks. Yeah. And yeah. I never walk away from Chick fil A feeling satisfied. Never. <laughs> yeah. But after, ever since um, Popeyes came out with their sandwich, dude, I. Chick fil A is never <laughs> the first one. Popeyes <laughs> is now always the first one. And you know what makes me mad? Is that they shut down the Popeyes as the closest one to me? Oh, no. It was like I was. I remember I was excited, y'all. You can you can ask Tara too. It was funny because it was like I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go Popeyes. I was like, let's get these sandwiches. Um, because the one I used to go to like was pretty fast to get through, right? Smoky Hill. Issues. The one, yep, the one on Smoky Hill. They shut that one down. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I drove over there 
And I was like, I went, I was like, damn, it is dark over here. And I like went and I was, it's like no signs on the building. I was like, oh hell no. I was like, I am not driving to South Parker in Aurora to go get this sandwich. <laughs> Crazy, but it yeah. I mean, just man, just thinking about everyday life, and these people are working 45, 50 hours a week. This that's crazy, man. They don't deserve that. And I don't care what your background is. If you're out there and you're busting your hump, you should you should be able to at least put gas in your car and not live paycheck to paycheck. And and it may not improve the world, but man, like uh, I've seen people renting places, renting. You know, apartments two, three, thirty five hundred dollars a month. Yeah, that's a mortgage, and they keep going up. This is it's funny because I I joke around with the kids at the gym. You know, they're all like you know nineteen, twenty, twenty one, and uh, I'm like y'all. I was like, you know how much I paid for rent when I was eighteen, nineteen years old. I was like, I had a one bedroom apartment. I was like, I paid six hundred dollars a month for some yeah. rent. Yeah, bro. I, I like, had I had a studio for five hundred in Cali. Yeah. But I was like, I was saying $60 a month. I was like, I was living in the hood, but I was like, I made 600 bucks a month. Exactly. Even in the hood now, you that that's double now. That's yeah. Part- oh, yeah, for sure. It's, it's crazy, man. So I think that's one of the most things that I'm hopeful about. But I love he's brought in so much diversity already into his cabinet. Yeah. And that that's and I'm I'm a huge advocate for females. Um, and I just like the fact that he's he's bringing that in and, and bringing in examples for our kids to see and not just hear or read about in the history. So yeah, I'm I'm really enthused and hopeful that is people are still going to fight him. They're still gonna, even if he benefits them because everybody that was at that riot or rally or whatever, I'm sure they are going to qualify for whatever stimulus or whatever government funding he sends, whatever he passes, they're all going to qualify. You're not going to see millionaires out there storming the Capitol. It, it just, it doesn't even sound right when you hear it. So they're, they're all going to benefit from a Joe Biden. So it's just group. So he just tells you that they were, they weren't fighting for their livelihoods. They were fighting for their privilege and entitlement. Tyson, you got it wrong. Millionaires do storm the Capitol, but they do it in the form of lobbyists. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're so right, man. They have people do it for them. But you know what? No, they don't, Mike, because they fly, they, they're flying out the congressmen and senators and the private jets to the golf courses with their families in Hawaii. And so, yeah, they do their illegal actions outside of the Capitol, and then they let the congressmen go inside the Capitol to do their illegal acts. I was telling, that's what we were talking about with Franwith about, you know, all these congressmen and senators and stuff like that. And even to um, Tyson before the podcast started, um, we were talking about career politicians. Like when I went to high school, when I was in college, there wasn't no application for career politician. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, but these people have been doing it their whole lives, you know, and, 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 and look to do it their, their whole lives. And, and after a certain amount of time, they get pensions. You know, and then you don't even have to be in there that long. They have to be in there like a couple terms and they get a pension. Yeah, I think it's two. I think if you get reelected, you automatic. You and, know, and, it, it's, and it's some bullshit. You know, meanwhile, you know, people are doing 401ks and they have to be, you know, vested, you know, five years, yeah. seven years, 10 years to at least get a portion, not even a whole percent. You know, like some 401ks, like, 
you know, they have to be there five years to get 75%, you mm-hmm. know, and then they have to be there like 10 years to get the full, you know, hundred percent of what they've invested in everything like that. And so that's just, I mean, I don't think, I, I think that's the problem now too, is that there's so many people in, in politics that are, are staunch and that are set in their ways and that just stays that way. And, you know, when you're set in your way and you're projecting that to everybody, you know, whereas if you had fresh new faces in there, fresh new perspectives, new policies and stuff like that, I think that would change a lot of things. I, I don't think politicians, it takes nothing to be a politician nowadays and they don't have the same level of dignity. Well, well that's different for the presidency, you right? You have to have some sort of uh, experience and you know what I mean? You have to know what you're doing to become the president, right? Well, being super sarcastic, failed, by the or way. Or a failed businessman. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, did you say homegirl just got her GED? Is that what yeah. you're telling me? Yes. Less than six months ago. Uh, that Tony, I don't know if you heard Lauren, Lauren Bobert, I think is her oh, name. Yeah. Here in Colorado. Yeah. That makes a, sense. Just got a GED <laughs> less than six months ago. Yeah. That sounds, I didn't know that, but that sounds about right. He is a United States Congresswoman. I'm not saying it shouldn't, it should be impossible. I'm not saying you have to have a college degree, but you have shown no effort until now. Like she was elected on nothing. She was elected running on nothing. And yeah. it, that's just baffling to me. Her husband, I think, is convicted for exposing himself to a minor. Holy shit. Yeah, she, she's been convicted. I, or I think she's been arrested four or five times. Like, and she's running on nothing. Absolutely nothing. I'll write that down. I'm going to look into her a little bit. I was going to tell you earlier, too. Um, like, can, you, can you pull her up? I'll look, I'll look it up here when, yeah, while I'm uh, telling uh, Dollar this. But uh, uh, one of our people's Dollar said that they can get you a, a vaccine real quick. $200. Is, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> 200 bucks for a vaccine, huh? Because the, the wifey is a nurse. And so they said they can get you uh, the vaccine real quick if you want. $200. Get it on you Monday. Holy <laughs> shit. Well, I start Tuesday, but it, pretty, <laughs> it wouldn't be effective for a long time. But that is crazy. How does that even work? I wonder how you can. <laughs> you got 200 bucks. You can just go get a vaccine. That's. That's. Uh, huh. Well, I appreciate the offer. Good looking out. Because <laughs> I definitely want to get a vaccine. So uh, go ahead and uh, send a DM there. And we'll, uh, we'll touch base. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's crazy. Um, you know what's funny about the the vaccination stuff is I saw I saw this uh, this news story about DPS students, Denver Public School students, where I work, uh, were actually getting together and they had like signed a petition um, demanding that teachers get vaccinated before they go back to in person learning. Um, I, dude, I since I became a teacher, I have never been more blown away by our youth. Um, and it's it kind of reminds me of what you're saying, Mike. Like you got to get new ideas in there. You got to get new people. Uh, you know. And these new approaches because these young people man they get it dude like seeing that i was shocked i was like these are high school kids that have the common sense to be like yo look we're gonna put teachers back in buildings we got to get vaccinations uh even for their own safety um because the students have an option they can you can opt for online so by the way if you're curious what the structure is going to look like for us it's actually hybrid we're not going back 100 percent. so for us teachers i'll teach four days a week 
Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. On Wednesdays, they do like a deep cleaning of the building and everybody studies remotely or does schoolwork remotely. Uh, and then, so, and it's probably different from school to school somewhat, um, but we basically have divided into two co- cohorts for the in-person students uh, because I, I think it's about half our student population or so is all going to be virtual. So on any given day in my classroom, uh, I think the maximum I'm going to have is like seven or eight students in person. And then I'll have anywhere from, you know, 12 to 20 students online at the same time. Um, So it's going to be really weird. That's going to be the hardest part is teaching like both at the same time. Uh, But I am thankful for the fact that so many students decided to go virtual so that we're not like forced into these super crowded classrooms. Um, Because you saw Pierce, I sent you pictures of my classroom. I think it was today. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It was like all those sneeze guards you got everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, they have like, uh, they gave us barriers to put around each desk and stuff. Um, And then we had to create seating charts. And so if you have a low enough number in your classes, then, you know, you can put spaces between the students and everything. Um, But for schools, it's for our schools, it's only a three foot requirement for students um, as opposed to the six foot, just because three foot's literally not feasible. Can I put this out there real quick since you brought up the kids? Um, Moderna um, and I think Pfizer, they, Moderna, I know Moderna has a clinical trial that they're looking for 3000 kids between the ages of 12 to 17 uh, for COVID-19 vaccine trials. So hopefully we're seeing, we'll be seeing something soon, but they need, uh, they need 3000 kids, uh, 12 ages, 12 to 17 for the uh, Moderna trial. And I think it's kind of the same concept, but it's just, a, a more watered down dose, if you will, uh, for the clinical trial. So, um, you know, that's, that's something that could possibly help the kids as well. Um, is that they're, they are conducting the clinical trial for kids 12 to 17. Right. Cause the, yeah, cause right. kids won't be getting this at all right now. Right. Yeah. Initially they have to run those trials. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So, 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 so how do you feel about going back in person? Like truthfully, like you kind of yeah. boots on the ground. How do yeah. you feel? About that? Uh, you know, <clears throat> I don't think it's wise. I think, uh, I feel like we should wait it out. Like, I feel like we're so close with the vaccinations coming through, uh, at, at getting this thing under control, not to mention what's been so hard for teachers is the flipping back and forth shit. Like, because teaching online and teaching in person are two very different things. Um, and now we're going to, see how it goes just trying to do both at the same time and i feel like uh, i've told mike this i'm optimistic i feel like we're going to be fairly normal by summer and i think by next school year we'll be going back in person and things will be more or less normal we may still be taking some precautions and stuff um but i think i just think it's unwise i think we're jumping the gun a little bit and i know everybody's concerned about the kids trust me that's why i'm in this profession i'm very concerned about these kids it's real like the the effects the mental health effects uh the falling behind in school because there's it works really great for some students um, but i'd say probably the majority of students it doesn't work as well they need to be there in person not to mention you know the social aspect and all that so there's no doubt we need to get kids back in school as soon as possible that's my stance on it but uh maybe possible isn't the right word because i feel like we just need to show a little more caution hang in there just a little bit longer and we've been doing this online teaching for a long time now so when we first started it was a total shit show at the end of last year and i think that was the case a lot of districts across the country we 
we had the chances to prepare for this stuff and we just didn't. So when it hit, it was just like figuring it out day to day. Um, but I'm telling you, I went to this profession for a reason. So I've dedicated my life to figuring this shit out day in and day out. And a lot of my peers have. A lot of my fellow teachers have done the same. So I think we're at a point now where um, I'm seeing measurable growth in my students, um, especially I was telling Pierce, I used to teach asynchronous asynchronously. Uh, so essentially, it was like a college course where I would Ooh. upload materials and they had to do it on their own. Where uh, I mean, we're talking about inner city middle school students. So Ooh. they had to like figure all that shit out on their own. Uh, it was a nightmare for me. And I was holding office hours each day. So they would come by and I would open a Zoom meeting for like two and a half hours. So that was, that was different than what most of my fellow teachers were doing. Like, you know, English, basic English, math, all those guys, science, they're all prioritized. And so they were teaching live. And the idea was they didn't want students staring at computers for too much of the day. So classes like mine got deprioritized, which never made sense to me because I'm supposed to be assigning the same amount of work. They're just not doing it uh, consecutively. So the idea was they could come back and do it later in the evening or something like that. So that was a disaster. Um, but not too long ago, they switched me finally uh, to synchronous. So now it's just like this in a Zoom meeting where I'm literally, I've just got a whole class of students in front of me uh, and I've gotten good at it. And I'm starting, not, I don't know if good's the right word. Um, it's, it's makeshift teaching, we're doing our best. But I'm literally seeing measurable growth because everything's database for us. We really have to watch uh, the skills of the students and see, make sure that they're actually improving. Um, and I feel like a lot of us teachers are starting to turn that corner now where we're actually getting the hang of this a little bit. It's a whole different world. Um, but then they're going to, it's like a knee jerk and we're going back all of a sudden. It's like, oh, now we're going back. And by the way, half the students don't want to come back. So you're going to teach them online and you're literally going to be teaching one class where you've got students in front of you and you've got students on a Zoom meeting and you have to figure it out. And there's no resources, dude. There's like, there's nothing out there really to help us figure this shit out. Um, so I, you know, I've told Pierce this, you guys know this, I do a lot of shit out of my own pocket. I bought adapters. I literally work with two computers. So I use my personal computer and then I also use my work computer so I can monitor zoom on one um, and then i i've got adapters so i can hook shit up to my board in the classroom because my concern was students online won't be able to communicate with the students in the classroom so it's literally like two separate classrooms but i've got a lot of that figured out um they did me give me this cool camera that i was showing mike uh, last week that's got like a microphone on it. It's I mean, it's kind of a shitty mic. I'll be honest. I'm an audio guy, so it sounds terrible to me. Uh, but it does pick up the room. So at this point, I'm kind of ready to roll with having them be able to hear each other and more or less be in the same classroom. Um, so I'm trying to figure that out. More interactive. Yeah, more interactive because and I teach ELD, man. So like that's so important. They have to be talking. They got to be talking to each other. Um, and a lot of modern teacher, a lot of stuff I'm learning in my degree now is like the old way was a teacher standing in front of the classroom and just giving right. all the information, students sitting, uh, conforming and just being receptacles for the all the wisdom that the teacher has. A lot of those old school thoughts are kind of going out the window. And it's more about students driving their own learning, which requires a lot of collaboration. It requires projects where they've got to figure shit out and figure out how to do things on their own, uh, which has been which asynchronous was a nightmare trying to figure that stuff out. Um, uh, but back to like where we are now, um, I don't know, man. To answer your original question, I guess, I think we should wait until next fall. I think we should write it out. Let us get good, even better at what we're doing because we may have to fall back on this again at some point in the future. Um, and it's better that we just build the infrastructure. We build, uh, you know, get these teachers better at it and know that it's a possibility for us because lucky for me, I was telling Mike, I'm brand new to this. So when everything, when the shit hit the fan and all of a sudden it was just like Waxville, it was like, 
it was easier for me to absorb that change, I think, than a lot of my veteran fellow teachers who I was looking up to big time last year, looking to them for direction when we were in a traditional setting. And then I've watched all of them just scramble. They have no idea. Like It was amazing to me how many teachers don't really have a handle on technology at all. Um, we were still doing things very old school on paper. Everything was in the classroom, stuff like that. Um, and so I feel like I was able to absorb it a little bit better because I was new. And then also because I did music and stuff for so long and podcasting. Um, and so I'm really used to like working with this kind of equipment. Um, so it's it's paid off for me. But I think the vast majority of students had our teachers had a really steep le- learning curve at the beginning of this. And I think we're starting to come around the corner. A lot of us are actually seeing growth from our students now. Um, and then we're gonna, you know, we're gonna try and go back halfway, which seems really crazy. I'd rather wait and go back a hundred percent when we can, uh, and then in the meantime and, figure this out. Yeah. Another question that I have, and hopefully some clarification for me: um, Do you, as as the teacher, am I naive when I think that kids are a lot more? It seems like a lot of people say they're they're feeling so bad for the kids. They're feeling so bad for the kids, but are we not giving the kids enough credit because they are more flexible than we think? Are we are we kind of hover hover parenting because we think some people think, oh my god, my kid is just going to be ruined for the rest of their lives? Are we not giving these kids enough credit for being more being as flexible? And technology seems to be technology seems to be in these kids' faces and in their hands 24-7. Was it as hard of a transition as some people are making it out to be for the kids, or was it more difficult for the adults? So therefore, if we think this must be, this is more difficult for me, so it has to be more difficult for the kids. I would think that it may be actually easier than what we are assuming for the kids because technology is 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 really kind of their their day-to-day lives like like even when they're not in the classrooms the, the even when they're in the classrooms their source of communication is a text message or a snapchat or an instagram so it's technology my, my whole point is technology technology even when they're having someone that they communicate with sit right beside them so are we not giving kids enough credit for being more as for for not being as rigid as we think and or or do you think some people are using this as an excuse to be pissed and i and i say that because i see posts and see things like people say oh my kid got missed their last senior volleyball game and i'm just i'm just feel so bad for her or him and it's like do you, would you feel bad? Would you feel worse if they were laying in the hospital or you were laying in the hospital because your kid gave this to you? Like, do you think the kids are not, do you think the kids are more flexible than what we're giving them credit for? Look yeah. at it. I think, I think kids are really flexible. Um, I've seen that. Uh, the things they bounce back from um, is pretty remarkable. As far as the technology stuff goes, what I have seen is because you're absolutely right. These kids are on technology all the time. They're on Snapchat. They're playing video games. I mean, they're communicating with their friends, like you said, that are sitting right next to them. They send a text rather than saying something to them. Um, and we all were kind of complaining about that stuff before. That being said, 
I noticed that uh, it does not translate always into the academic world. So I found a lot of my students that were on their phones all the time, they're on technology, TikTok, and all this stuff. When it came time to like write a paper in Google Docs, there was a huge gap there. Um, and so as an English teacher, I really uh, honed in on that immediately and was like, we literally did lessons on like how to change your font, uh, how, to, how to indent, how to control the format of your paper. Um, and before it was more focused on like how to identify good reliable sources on the internet that was like last year's kind of stuff whereas this year was like holy crap now that we're forced completely online we realize like they're going to need these skills so i don't think the technology necessarily translates immediately um, but i think it helps them when it is time to actually learn it and i think a lot of us teachers have had to focus on explicitly teaching these technology technological skills in an academic setting um because do you think that's because our education system is antiquated and dated in itself <laughs> uh, did, did, this, did this kind of shine a light on that you think yeah i mean yes i i definitely feel like our system's antiquated but that's one way to look at it the other way is it's not just that it's antiquated it's that there's never been a clear goal for American education. Like we've never all come to some kind of consistent consensus on what is the point of American education? What are we supposed to, like when they leave us, what are we supposed to be um, giving to them? How should they be walking away? Prepared for what? In what ways? And I think to me, that's the biggest, most glaring issue that was pre-COVID, pre-everything was just like, it's not just so much that the system is old. It's that there's just all these competing interests for what we're supposed to be doing. And everybody, I was telling Mike this on a previous podcast, everybody talks about it like the system's broken, but nobody has an answer what, with what fixed looks like. Like when it's fixed and it's working properly, what are we supposed to be doing? Um, so, and so I think you, that a lot of that happens at the individual teacher level with their beliefs about stuff, and it also happens at the school and district levels in various forms. Um, but yeah, I mean, somewhat it's definitely antiquated in a lot of ways. Um, and I saw that more with my fellow teachers as we started. Um, teachers that are master teachers, bro, like people that I'm just in awe of, like their ability to work with and teach children uh, blew my mind. And then when this hit, I was sort of like, it was jaw dropping how everybody was just struggling to figure out how to conduct a class online or how to use, you know, all the different technology stuff. And there's a lot of it nowadays. We've got all kinds of little tools that we can use um, that have been around and a lot of, I think in that way, yeah, I think a lot of teachers have ignored it um, because the other ways work, you know, they've always worked before and for the first time they're not working. Um, and so we've had to change a bit, but no, and, but in general, I agree. I don't think we give kids enough credit. They are extremely flexible, um, and, uh, flexible, not, that's not the word. What was the word you used? Not flexible, resilient, I guess, or, um, yeah. adaptable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, cause uh, I agree. Cause I mean, the kids I work with, um, you know, that's kind of the big problem is I do hear the other side when they talk about, you know, they're going to lose they're falling even further behind um, because I know firsthand how real that shit is, bro. Like they are behind, uh, they're years behind and there's science that tells us how that's going to affect their future and what that's going to look like for their family and um, you know, their career and, and what they're going to do with their life. And so. Cause I, 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 I want to chime in right there. Let me ask you this question. that's on my mind. I, because you are seeing it. And I want to know if what I'm thinking 
would possibly be a valid method. So a lot of times people talk about reparations, reparations. And my idea of a sufficient reparation would be that you would have people of color that could go to college for free if they had the grades, test scores, mm-hmm. that they could go to. Because what what has kept people so far behind is education at the end of the day. Bottom line is whether you have it or don't have it. And so my my form of reparation that would make me happy as a black man is is if the inner city kids knew there was a light at the end of the tunnel where you could say, you know, Bobby, if you get this, you know, if you do well in school, you have pretty good test scores, you can actually go to college for free. And they can see that where their end goal then shift from just making it through high school and getting a high school diploma to if I do this and do it right, I too can go to college like the rest of them. Do you think that would be a motivation? Do you think that would be a motivator for inner city kids if they knew? Because I I hear sometimes where kids say, well, uh, well, I come from a small town in North Carolina. When you graduate high school, you have achieved the local pinnacle of success, so to speak, of early success is that you graduated high school. They don't instill in their kids from day one, even if they don't go to college, but still there's more than high school. Like high school is, okay, let's celebrate for 30 minutes, but now you've known all of your life. We're going beyond high school, be it technical college, be it division one, division two, division three, whatever it be. But do you think it would motivate these kids, especially the inner city kids that said that would, that say to themselves, what is all this for when it's not going to mean shit at the end of the day, if they knew, Hey, I can go to college just like Johnny in the suburbs. If, if I do well in school, so they see a light at the end. Do you think that would be a motivator for inner city kids, inner city uh, people of color as a whole for, for them? Do you, do you think that would, would help? Yeah, I think it would help. I, I think it would help. Um, but I think there's a lot, the larger issue with it is really, it's the experience that a lot of these kids have with school. Um, a lot of the students just, hate school and the thought of even thinking about like continuing this after I have to continue this is bullshit like I don't want to deal with this anymore and I think so much of that is a product of like what I was talking about earlier where like the system is just saturated um, like if you look around like because I work at a school that's like there's barely any white kids there at all dude and um, I don't I, I guess I shouldn't speak out of turn because I mean we had we, there's a lot of turnover there were some new people this year so I don't really know for sure but it really seems from my eye and my perspective look Looking around, a lot of the teachers are white, dude, and I I feel like that has such a huge impact on um, on students. And and we've talked about it before, Pierce, about like there's been there's science on that too that has shown that like like kids who have a, a black teacher at some point between you know K through six or something like that, I can't remember the exact details, but it greatly increases their odds of continuing with school. It increases their odds of becoming a teacher themselves. Um, it it has a huge impact on their life, and so I think a lot lot of it is that these these kids grow up not relating to their teachers not and it's not just that the teachers aren't black or or mexican or or whatever it's really just that they 
there's, I don't know. I feel like the overwhelming majority of students have a really shitty experience in school, um, particularly that are in neighborhoods like where I teach or in Title I schools and stuff like that. And so I think they don't even want to have any part of it. So I think it would help because I think there is for sure that happening as well, where it's like, what's the point, bro? Like, I ain't going to mm-hmm. college. We don't, you know, how are we going to get money, you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's only part of the problem. I think the other part is we really have to examine what kind of experience these kids are having at the schools they're going to versus, you know, what's a white kid experiencing in Cherry Creek in a Cherry Creek school district or something like that. It's a very different experience, you know? And I I think they kind of instill college from, from their freshman year. Like I know when my nephew was in school and he, he, he was doing one year in school with us uh, in Arizona and I think he went on, they had, you know, mandatory college day. Uh, he, his school took him to several university campuses to see what campus life looks like, what schools look like. And he said that never happened coming from small town, North Carolina. Like the only school you see is, is, is a technical community college, which is fine, but you never saw you never got to walk a campus and see someone that looks like you and say, Oh, maybe I can do this. And, or, or be, or be given the keys to, to kind of drive yourself in that direction. So I I was just wondering if I feel like money is not going to help in terms of, and a lot of people are, are not, or against me in that sense, but I feel like money doesn't, when, when they talk of reparations, money won't help. I think only thing that will help is education. I love it, dude. I think, yeah. So many gaps, so many gaps. The only thing that will help is the education gap be closed. Do you, do you, do you, I know you teach at a school where you're probably not going to hear it as much as maybe, you know, a school out in Parker or Cherry Creek or whatever, but do you, do you think there's still, there are teachers that walk in on a daily basis that would say there's no hope for this child and you can literally see it that this teacher is kind of giving up and not doing their, 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 they're not upholding their obligation to help that child. Do you, do you think that's, that's still something that do you think, I guess, is that as common as we hear in do you think if a teacher actually showed they care that it would actually, it would help? Because yeah. I know you're very passionate. So I, I would imagine you, your kid, I can only imagine your kids are ready to come to your class every day. So, because you're innovative and creative, but do you hear and kind of see the teachers that just kind of stick to the, literally the ABCs of education and you see how it's hurting your students? Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, no, I, def- I definitely see that. In teacher's defense, I mean, it's a fucking overwhelming job, bro. Like, when I started doing this, I had no idea how deep it was. Like, I I always had respect for teachers, but I didn't understand, like, the level of work that it is. Um, And then for a lot of teachers, I think they have that experience where, I mean, 
I had a student today. Um, he was he's been trying to get me to play Warzone. I talk a lot about video games with my students, and he was telling me that he really wants to play this Warzone. It's like a COD game, right? Like, mm-hmm. do you guys know what I'm talking about? Call of Duty. Call of Duty. Yeah. yeah. And so he was yeah. telling me about it, and he was like, he's been asking me for like two weeks. Hey, did you get a chance to play that yet? And I told him, I was like, no, man, I I really don't even have a chance. He's like, come on, don't like in your spare time. And I was like, bro, I don't have a spare time. He's like, what about on the weekends? And I was like, uh, I work seven days a week, man. Like, there's no there's no way around it. And he was just like, kind of dumbfounded you know and so i think teachers they have a lot on their plates and it really sucks when you put like hours and hours and hours and hours into a lesson uh and it's a very unpredictable for profession you get in the class something you think was going to work doesn't work it can be extremely disheartening at times uh and then you you could you could maybe spend five hours putting a lesson together if you're really really dumping yourself into it and trying to make it as amazing as possible and then you get in there and it falls flat and the students don't have a great experience with it it's easy to walk away and be like there's no hope it's easier to it's very easy easy to look at that situation and be like, fuck it, bro. There's nothing we can do here. Um, and I think that happens a lot, even with really good teachers. Uh, there are, I have moments of discouragement all the time, bro. And I am super passionate. I love my job. Uh, and there are days where I just feel like, oh man, I feel like I'm gonna fall apart. Like I can't keep doing this is so hard. Uh, and so in teacher's defense, uh, I think they're up against more than the average person realizes they're up against. But yes, and I definitely see a lot of uh, people that are punching in just like any other job. They're clocking in, they're clocking out, uh, and it is what it is, bro. Um, and, but they I wouldn't become, say that's the majority at my school. Go ahead. They become sensitized. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like if you're surrounded, like physicians, a lot of physicians that I talk to, you're surrounded by death on a daily basis. You become, you, you're desensitized to it. Where that you know that first you know five ten deaths it severely affects you, so I, I just wonder if that if that plays any role. Uh, I I salute you and I'm proud of you and I thank you because uh, teachers man you guys catch it on both ends you, you you're possibly catching it from the kids and then you're catching it from even politicians like that don't feel that teachers are, are worth their weight. Like, it's just amazing to me how teachers are not valued uh, and the fact that they're molding and shaping and their appreciation. So I, I definitely thank you. Oh, um, shit, man. No, thanks. You may feel like a military veteran or something. That's, that's no, amazing just, to hear just that. No, just but. don't. Uh, that's meant, it, hey, you, you're fighting a battle. It's a different kind of battle. Uh, you're not going to save them all, but, and you're going to have a lifelong, lifelong impression on some of these kids. So don't you keep that in mind. That's, that's, and you took the difficult route. You didn't have to go to that school, I would imagine. So you didn't, you didn't take the, you know, the easy cake route. You actually took a very difficult path in teaching. So oh, thanks, I don't man. imagine your obstacles. Yeah, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, I, that was a big part of why I wanted to do the job. Um, I wasn't just like teaching just anybody. Because I'll tell you, man, um, as rough as it can be sometimes, this seems like a cakewalk compared to me when I just, and I don't have experience with it, but just imagining like going to Cherry Creek and working in a school like that, like... I don't think I could sleep good at night, dude. Like, I, I feel like there are places where teachers are really, really, really needed. And there are places where they got everything they need. They got all the funding. They got all the financing. They got great teachers that are super educated um, where they are. Like you say, they're prepping them for college the whole time. Um, that stuff, I, I don't know. I should be careful how, with how I say it, I guess. But it makes me feel a little nauseous when I think about it. Like the idea of working in a place like that where it is, you know, um, not like where I work at. 
So no, I appreciate it, man. Those are kind words and everything. Um, but it really makes me happy. Um, it, I did all this. It's in a, in a way it's self-serving cause, um, I just wanted to feel like I had, it was making a difference. And I think I was inspired by people like when staff Sergeant Lacey McDonald came on the podcast who Mike went to high school with, um, and he just inspired the shit out of me. And that's what, that was my connection to that school, um, was finding out, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, oh, there's this, this this place. And it and the funny thing was it was so close to where I was working at the time that it was almost like everything just kind of the door opened up, the path was right in front of me. And it was just a matter of like I had to knuckle down and do the work to get there. Um, but no, man, it's um it's a problem in this country. I really think so. And I think it's it's not just school though. I think it's our entire system. I think all these um, these systems are set up in a way where there are always privileged people. There are always people that are going to have an easier path. Mm-hmm. And then there are those that it's just like the downtrodden, you know, the ones that are just, they've just got a boot on their neck from the day that they're born. And people don't want to look at that. We don't, it's hard to look at that in our own society and understand that we have that kind of shit happening all around us. Um, but it really is there all the time and it permeates all of our systems. I think people see, I think people see it. The people see it. It's just the problem with this country is again, going back to what we were talking about earlier is if you see it, you have to acknowledge it. And then the next question becomes, what are we going to do about it? But if you ignore it, you'll never have to answer those questions and you can remain in your, your, your bubble of privilege, your bubble of entitlement. And, and it's just amazing. And, you know, I see, you know, over the course of the summer, you see, like in my community pages where they're, oh, Antifa may be coming into the suburbs. And should we, like literally people are freaking out. Should we, should we form a watch group? And I'm, you know, and I'm in my mind, I'm, I'm saying, if you guys are really that concerned, why don't you hire a, a professional security company instead of being Johnny Law, like riding around on the back of your pickup trucks? But they felt like my point is they feel like it was infiltrating or possibly infiltrating their bubble, their sense of security. And it's just amazing to me how people respond differently when it's affecting them or theirs directly versus them looking and seeing it affecting someone else. It's a lot easier to turn the other cheek because once you get involved, then you have to start addressing the issues and you start have to come up, coming up with solutions. And people don't want, they don't want to be challenged mentally to come up with solutions because they, first you have to admit it. And then they're not even at that stage of admitting that, okay, there is a problem. We have a problem with education. We have a problem socially because then it becomes, okay, what are we going to do about it? And how are we going to fix it? And everybody's worried about, well, if we fix it, then this person is going to get ahead of me here, or this person there is going to be ahead of me and that is a problem in itself that needs to be addressed. And I don't know, I don't have any of the answers for that, but I can see the problem within itself. Yeah, I think so. I agree 100%. I think it's um, it's hard to look at, uh, but it's also, it's harder to change. Um, we always tend to just stay with what we know, but we got to grow and we got to change. And I know that like, like there's a lot of statistics now on, on like jobs when people are looking for jobs. Um, it's changed in the last, uh, you know, between 20 and 25 years. It's really changed what is valued uh, for people who are hiring for new jobs, um, like collaboration, uh, being innovative and creative creativity is like at the top of the list now um, because the world is facing a shit ton of problems. And so those things are more important 
than ever. Um, and it's easy before, I think we, for a long time, we were in this mode of just kind of like, ah, eh, we got this shit down. This is what we do. This is how we work. Um, but nowadays, you're exactly right. I mean, there's all sorts of problems in the world, everything from climate change and global warming um, to, you know, entrens- like entrenched racism in our systems um, and stuff like you're talking about. I mean, we've got 725 as the minimum wage in North Carolina and in Idaho and in, maybe in Texas and various other countries. Um, these are real issues and we got to figure out how to fix all this shit. Um, and the only way we're going to be able to do it is to be creative. So I think, I think there is a growing awareness and that's why I have so much faith in young people. And I really think, um, that old ways die hard, man. And a lot of things change when old people die. I hate to say it. Uh, one day I'm going to be one of those old people. And even me, you know, I'm blown away by the things I see from how young people think and, and this new world that they're dealing with. Um, but there's no doubt that uh, young people need guidance and they need uh, mentors and they need, there has to be people in these older generations um, that are kind of like opening the door for them. You know what I mean? And like making sure that they're gaining the tools that they're going to need to fix the problems that we fucking caused. Um, so, so I think, yeah, I, I do. I think a lot of people don't want to face the problem, but I, I have faith in youth. I think it's coming uh, with time. I think these problems will get resolved, um, but they that scares me the most about today because I've said it on multiple occasions. They, that this, these people are, are basically creating the next generation of racism and hatred. They have, you have to think about these people have kids and this isn't new. This racism and hatred isn't new to these people. So they have just essentially they have essentially created a brand new generation to pass the torch down to of racism and hatred. And that's the thing that upsets me the absolute most about all of this is that they're, they're keeping that hate alive. So, I, I mean, I don't think it'll be fixed anytime soon, but I do think this might be the last great, the last great hurrah moment for that racism on a lighter note, I will tell you, I am so happy with television lately because I've seen so many people of color, so many, I've seen more interracial relationship commercials in the past nine months than I have seen in my entire life. I mean, it's almost where I'm tired of it. I'm like, oh, like another one? Like, I mean, from Hallmark to Chevrolet, it is crazy the number of commercials that you see uh, with, with mixed representation is, it's awesome. I'm, I'm just happy that a lot of the movies that I grew up as a kid are coming true. Like which ones? Uh, Demolition Man, for example. Look at this. <laughs> that is a Zoom call, you guys, from Demolition Man right there. <laughs> that looks like Tony's classroom. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's all coming true, guys. It's pretty soon. You know, I'll have that ho- hoverboard. I don't think I'll have the hoverboard ever. Yeah. I think that's just yeah, what never, never going to happen, dude. But one day I'm going to be living, I'm going to be living in the skies. I'm going to be eating like um, uh, an instant meal, like the Jetsons. Don't they make one? Don't they actually make a hoverboard? It's not a real hoverboard. It's not real? No. But one day, one day I'm going to go in that, 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 I'm going to get this little pill. I'm going to put in the the, the little microwave looking machine. I'm going to hit a button. And it's like, (laughs) Burrito. Like a whole, yeah, whole fucking meal, dude. <laughs> a side of vegetables and everything. <laughs> One yeah. day, 
It's all coming true. Demolition Man. Demolition Man had the had the Zoom calls it back in the nineties. Mad Max was in twenty twenty one. Is that true? Yeah, that's what, t- that's what I told you on the last show on the last podcast. Yeah, yeah. Mad Max is twenty twenty one. That's why I said I need to need to start learning from my father in law welding a lot better. I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy me an AMC Eagle. Oh. I'm gonna give me an AMC Eagle, and I'm gonna go weld a whole bunch of shit to it. I'm gonna get like a whole bunch of tanks of gas and bunker down and have myself a, a living nomad life. <laughs> uh, that's crazy. Are, let me. Are you guys afraid of the twentieth? Are you afraid for what could happen on the twentieth? Or do you think it's like kind of blown out of proportion at this point? You think they're gonna? You think they're bold? I feel enough? like I feel like if Lady Gaga. And J Lo are able to perform at the inauguration. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be all right. <laughs> I, I mean, if they're not afraid to go to the inauguration, I think it's going to be okay. That, isn't that just crazy that we have to be concerned about such a historical day? That it's, the I'm, and enjoyment of that. No, day? I'm not surprised about it because when all those mass shootings were happening, you know, when they were going through and mowing down, like, you know, people going in Walmarts and mowing down and stuff like that, you know, that's, I was surprised to find myself like out and about, like, you know, you know, when we went to the taste of Colorado, telling the wifey one time, I was like, I'm, you know, looking around, you know, looking around at people, you know, I don't know who's going to open up fire and, and shoot around and shit like that, you know? So nowadays, like shit don't surprise me anymore. Yeah, no well, doubt. I mean, like the insurrection against the country, you know, was that that's that's just it's still just beyond comprehension. Yeah, well, I think it's reflective of the times, man. And I think all this shit's been brewing for so long. Um, and I, I was telling Mike, you know, like before, I've been saying this since the early two thousands that I was just fearful of how polarized our country was slowly becoming. Uh, more accelerated recently and then I was telling him how it just reminded me of like uh, pre-Nazi Germany and I always try to like put a little disclosure there whenever I say that because people freak the fuck out like I'm not calling him I'm not calling Donald Trump uh, Adolf Hitler I'm not saying that these people are all Nazis but it has striking resemblance to me sometimes and so I think stuff like this where we are seeing crazy shit like people marching in the Capitol um, I think it's reflective of how polarized our country is and how divided it is and um yeah, I mean, I just think it's real. And I think that I'm not surprised either, like Mike. Not only is we just live in a crazy-ass world nowadays, um, but I really do think that a lot of this stuff has been coming. Like we're, like you said, we're gonna at some point we have to look at this and we have to face it and we have to face our issues and our problems. Um, but there are a shit ton of people that are just willing to march on the Capitol and all of a sudden they're screaming at you know Republicans. And I don't know if you saw Lindsey Graham was getting harassed. Like all these, these uh, you know, top-level yeah. Republicans are getting harassed by these people that are supposedly on on their team or whatever um so i feel like i'm not too surprised i'm not i don't know i'm kind of with mike it feels like everything's moving normally uh so i'm not too fearful about that but who knows i mean i feel like i don't know shit to be honest i feel like i guess at stuff all the time and i have no idea what's actually coming um so hopefully hopefully everything is smooth smooth transition and all that but i'm not surprised either um Dude, not to totally abruptly change gears like really fast, but that's exactly what I'm about to do. Um, Just on a lighter note, this is crazy. I saw this article about this dude who um, I guess he had like bipolar and stuff. And so he was trying to like, 
get himself better. So he literally injected psilocybin into his veins. Like he injected it into his veins uh, as what he thought was going to be some kind of a fix. I guess he had not been taking medications and then he wanted to fix it in that way. The mushrooms literally started growing inside his blood, bro. In his blood. Yeah. Yeah. He got super, super sick. He didn't know what was going on. He was like out of it all the time. His family was super worried. I know, Mike, that's the reaction I had, dude, when I read this. And so they, so yeah. he had to go to the hospital and then they tested his blood and everything and realized, wow, he had two. He had a bacterial infection as a result in his blood. And then he also had literally psilocybin growing in his, uh, in his vascular system. This guy was trying to be a real life Groot. <laughs> a real life swamp thing. He was trying to make himself a swamp yeah. thing over there, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like the dude's stable now. He's in stable condition. Everything they got. It. What's that? Was he in California? A good question. I was actually thinking about that earlier. I was going to try and figure out um, where that actually. Probably Florida. Yeah. I read he had fungi in his blood. Oh, you did? So you saw that too? Yeah. Um, yeah. Man, I, I thought I. I thought going on a trip, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. I uh, I thought I had it here. I guess I don't have it immediately available. Uh, maybe we can Google that or something and see uh, where he was actually at. Um, yeah, that was wild, dude. I had I t- thought to myself, I have to bring that up on the podcast because that it grows. It gives me the heebie-jeebies, dude. The idea of fucking fungus growing in your blood, like ugh. That get, that and he is. injected them as a tea. Yes, exactly. He boiled it, right. He boiled it, made it into a tea, and then injected it into his blood. Uh, he filtered it, too. He filtered it through, like... Um, like a Brita? Like a Brita filter or something? No, even worse. It was like a cloth, like some kind of cloth filter, like cheesecloth or some shit, which Jeez. is exactly why he was literally, I mean... And he has multi-system uh, organ failure. Yeah. Is he stable now? Do you know? I don't know how recent that one you're looking uh, at is. It seemed like he was. They had him under control. I think, but eight days, and he spent. He's well. When they said spin in past tense, twenty-two days in the hospital. Okay. Ended up being <laughs> in ICU. Um, but they didn't mention. I don't. I don't think they ever mentioned the uh, the state. They just say a man. Um, imagine, imagine if vampires were fucking real. And a vampire chose that dude one day, and that vampire was high as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would totally think of that, Pierce. That's I wonder hilarious. what the long-term uh, effects would be. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, no, I thought that was crazy. I'm going to see if I can find out where this dude, um, what state he was in or city or something. Yeah, they, they don't mention the state, and they said he was 30. Oh, wait a minute. Of course. Is it Florida, dude? Florida man. Is it uh, really? He may have been. Hold on. The man's family told the authors who are from Creighton University School of Medicine. In yeah, Phoenix. I saw that in Arizona. Well, what, was it in Phoenix? Yeah, you would think because those guys are, it doesn't explicitly say that, I guess. Um, yeah, it doesn't None actually say. None of the articles give a location. None yeah, that's kind of weird. That seems weird. It usually starts with that, like a. You know, yeah, especially when it goes man or none of them give a location. Huh. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Even on Vice, none of them give. Um how weird is that, right? That's like a part of I'm every thinking, news article. They're always like they start with like where it happened. Yeah, I think it was in Phoenix. They don't say specifically, but uh 
In a case report released this week, a team of doctors and medical students from Creighton University School of Medicine in Phoenix describe an incident in which a 30-year-old man with type 1 bipolar disorder stopped taking his medications and attempted to self-medicate. So, yeah, I'm thinking this happened in Phoenix. Hmm. Wow. I don't, wow. Uh, man, mental health is... Mental health in this country, I think that's part of what we're seeing too. Mental health needs to be addressed. That is, that is almost becoming, I'm not going to, I don't think it'll ever outweigh racism, but that in conjunction with racism, it is a recipe for, for disaster. I think a lot, of, a lot of those people that we saw this past week, mental health, I'm sure they're probably all going to have some issues with mental health. Hundred uh, percent. I think it's a valid point. I think it is. Mental health is is needs to be on everyone's radar, um, in in this country because there are a lot of mentally ill people, and they look at it from the aspect of being physically sick. These people are mentally sick, and it's not being addressed at all. Yep, I think that's been going on for a long time. We've talked about that in past long, long past episodes of the show. We're talking about like school shootings and and all that kind of stuff. There's like, there's a lot, there's a lot of mental illness in our country, um, and it's not even just that it goes unaddressed. I think it's almost like sometimes we just approach it in the wrong way. Like everybody's on meds, you know what I mean? Like there's, it's always like there's some phar- pharmaceutical uh, company just chomping at the bit, ready to quote unquote solve these problems, um, and I just think they don't really solve the problems at all. Found it. He's Nebraska. Oh, Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, I could see trying to take a psilocybin trip. <laughs> I grew up in Nebraska. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, on another good note, uh, Dr. Dre is home. That's good. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. What's yeah, going on with Dr. Dre? I'm out of touch. What happened? Yeah, the aneurysm, man. Are you serious? I am serious. Are you serious, yeah. too? Aneurysm, like, two, like, like, Two weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, man. there I miss a lot of shit, uh, by the way. I try to read as much news as I can, uh, but I don't, I don't, I'm very out of touch with a lot of things. I had no idea, dude. That sucks. He's all right, though, or? Uh, they said he's home under 24 hour care. He's um, on the mend. Yeah. He's on the mend. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. He's a pretty robust dude. He takes really good care of himself. I do know that. Um, yeah, so he was released from the hospital. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He was in that, yeah. What a bummer. Um, there's also one other thing. Uh, I don't know if you guys know Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, he's a basketball player for uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. His whole family died of COVID, man. Yeah, he just uh, contract. He just tested positive for it. Shit. And he just lost his mom and six other family members. Yep. This oh year, well, twenty twenty, from COVID. So I, I can only imagine his fear right now. Um, but he has tested positive uh, today for COVID. Damn. Yeah. Crazy. Absolutely insane. On a really, really good note, the NRA is now financially bankrupt. Yeah, but they're going to reincorporate, so that doesn't mean anything. Are they? Yeah. Oh, they're going to take the Trump way, do it the Trump way, huh? 
Yep. Damn. Um, hey, Pierce, we've been at this a long time, buddy. It's uh, about yeah, two hours and six minutes right now. <laughs> <laughs> we went deep on this one. Yeah, man. Uh, it's always fun having you on, Tyson. Thanks for being here, brother. Um, I appreciate it. And uh, let JoJo know, Mike, let her know when you when you want to have her on. She, she teaches me about this stuff. Yeah, for sure. All of this is definitely a hot subject now, but she teaches me about this this COVID vaccine because I was afraid of. I said I, I want the second or third ge- generation, and she really just kind of opened my eyes to the processes and things of that sort. Right. Uh, so she'll be a good good person to have on. Yeah, we should reach out, Tony. Uh, yeah, for sure. I'll touch base uh, and we'll get that set up. I'm very curious. I'm very fascinated by vaccines and I don't know a lot about how they work. Um, so I'd be really, even just that little bit she shared was super interesting. Yeah. Um, so I'd yeah, love you to know, do she's it. like a type A personality. So she is like made for this stuff because it, everything has to be in order. Uh, <laughs> it's very meticulous because you're talking about, well, I don't know about now, but hopefully to get back to the norm, but you have FDA approvals and, and things of that. So it's just kind of crazy. So I've seen both ends of it. I've seen a vaccine work and I've seen a vaccine fail through her. And it's really kind of interesting to see that not every vaccination, that not every therapy or, or what have you immunization is successful. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen it firsthand. So you don't hear about the ones that make it, but there are 10 to 15 that, that get rejected or show no results. And you can literally see a company turn its lights off in less than 24 hours because it was found to be unsuccessful. You know, any type of vaccine is crazy or, or a drug for that matter. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll have to get her on. Um, I'd love to get some more guests on too, Pierce. We'll get some get some people on, maybe some old guests. Uh, I yeah. saw that uh, Dom Impey was uh, was there for a little while, kind of hanging in there with the podcast. He just recently published some uh, poetry, bro. So yeah, yeah. we definitely got to get him on. He'd be fun to have guy back on. You know her? I heard my wife talking to uh, Couch Guy today, so I was thinking <laughs> about him. I didn't get a chance. They were talking about uh, grown up oh. shit, so I didn't say anything yet. Um, but I'm going to reach out to him too, see if we can get him on. He always cracks me up because uh, we can have a few people on. We could do a little bit of a round yeah, table for sure. here. Um, share, share his poetry. I, I'd like to to see Dom's poetry. Oh yeah, dude, he's amazing. He's one of my favorite. Uh, he's I love people who are as creative as that dude is like his yeah. creativity is never ending. Um, so yeah. And I've, I remember we got together, we probably talked about this on the podcast, but me and him got together to write songs one time and bro, we churned out like 15 fucking songs. <laughs> like it was unbelievable. <laughs> the guy is like endless creativity. Yeah. Um, and I'm a pretty creative dude myself. So us getting together was a blast. I, by the way, if you are listening, Dom, I'd love to do that again sometime with, Maybe in the summertime or on a Christmas break or some shit. <laughs> when you're all vaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm all vaccinated. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Pierce, uh, I think uh, that's good. It's uh, always good to catch up with you, my friend. Um, okay, yeah. Thank you a million, man. Yeah. yeah. I never really feel like I have anything to contribute, so it's good to make me feel like uh, <laughs> I have a word or two. No, dude. You contribute a lot. Uh, in fact, it's just really funny looking back on the old episodes how much uh, of this you actually saw coming so it's always cool to talk to you uh, it's a secret up. trump voter <laughs> uh, you have to tell me which episode that was mike the secret trump voter that's that's what i said yeah i was when we were at ramcad so we'll have to figure that out yeah 
Yeah. And Tony's like, you really think there are that many of them? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we literally laughed. I think we laughed a few times, you know, where we're just kind of like, okay. Bro. Well, 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 initially, I wanted him to go up against Hillary because I said that would be an easy win. But then I saw he was winning every single state and I'm yeah. as in the primary. So I'm like, how is this guy winning? But no one is claiming to vote for this guy. Yep. And I'm like the secret Trump voter. Like this guy is, he's reckless. Yeah, a lot and of them he, are no longer secret though, right? I mean, that's yeah, the whole thing. Oh they kind of came out yeah. in, in droves. Yeah. They're getting branded. Yep. Well, appreciate it, guys. Thank you a million. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Sir. Thank you. Uh, I don't know, Pierce. Let's wrap it up, buddy. I think we're uh, we are good to go, man. Yeah. Cue that music. <laughs> I was waiting for you <laughs> to say your line. That's a wrap, sir. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Thanks. Absolutely, brother. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Oh, he just left for real. Just <laughs> <laughs> he's like, peace out for real. <laughs> I'm letting the music play a little bit. It's actually uh, still recording just before on our video. <laughs> Got a little music. Uh, thanks to those of you who support the podcast uh, by listening. We're getting back at it again. We're going to be putting these things out, turning them out regularly in 2021. Uh, so if you have a guest that you would like to hear, uh, if you have a topic you want us to talk about or hit on, let us know. Hit us up at MikeAndTonyShow at gmail.com. You can reach us through our website at TheMikeAndTonyShow.com. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and all that good stuff. Twitter, everything. Yeah. MikeAndTonyShow.com. <laughs> you kids be good. Have a good one. All right. Peace. Peace.